The Robert Scott the Bell Robert Show. Scott Bell Show. The voice of health, freedom, and liberty. The Robert Scott Bell Show. All right, we're back at it. It's the Sacred Fire Liberty edition of the Robert Scott Bell Show with my good friend, Jonathan E. Mord, a friend to the Constitution, one that would, uh, well, when he's in the Senate, the U.S. Senate in Virginia, uh, Constitution's back on, <laughs> on tap, my friend. Jonathan, welcome back, and uh, thanks for being here, as always. You bet, Robert. It's great to be with you again. Well, you've got a new article here on something we love, and that is called Freedom of Speech. And it's amazing how far we've strayed from it. But I've talked to, to folks over the years, as you have within an industry that you've had a lot of interaction with, what we call dietary supplement, uh, integrative natural medicine type components of our, our life in America. And, you know, you've recognized as a I that as much as we might pay lip service to a constitution and a, a first amendment among the 10 amendments that says there is freedom of speech or should be, and it comes from not government, but from a creator, uh, how far we have strayed even before COVID in terms of censorship. You know, I remember learning as part of a homeopathic manufacturing facility of how the regulations were written in, in a sense and, and how they're a little bit different for supplements. And you were involved going back in the 90s with what became known as the Dietary Health, Supplement Health and Education Act, Deshaies, and you also warned uh, that it would leave vulnerable a certain aspect to regulation that you were correct about again. Uh, but, you know, just amazing that we have to go, hey, remember freedom of speech? We actually have to write another you know, uh, some kind of law or bill about it. But boy, oh boy, tell me about your latest article here and why this is necessary. Well, my latest article is really about uh, this Free Speech Protection Act, which Rand Paul has introduced. And it's quite an extraordinary thing. It's essential, really. And Rand Paul has done it again. In fact, he's uh, introduced a series of bills that are really fantastic things. They all ought to pass. I'll be writing about a number of them. But this one will cause anyone who's in the government, you know, I've, I've said this on the campaign trail over again as one of my desires. Anybody who is in the government who colludes, coerces, cajoles someone in big tech or someone in, uh, in the media to censor or uh, deplatform or limit access to big tech uh, platforms, uh, will then be uh, a vi in violation of this act and would be subjected to the penalties. That is those in government who do this. So it's aimed at people in government who are responsible for interacting with the media and big tech to censor information. Why, why do you say that this is the, the censorship that's going on by the Biden administration is greater than anything the authors of the Alien Sedition Act could have imagined? Because you see, with the Alien Sedition Act, what happened was the Sedition Act portion of that in 1798, the Adams administration forbade anyone from criticizing the government. Seditious libel, it's called. Mm -hmm. And it was prohibited. Now, <clears throat> that flew in the face of the Constitution of the United States and the First Amendment because the First Amendment stands for the basic proposition that there can be no prior restraints whatsoever on free speech. Can't have government censor or prohibit communication at all. And so at that time, it was limited to the Federalists, or excuse me, to the Republicans by mm -hmm. the Federalists. 
So the Federalists were in power with John Adams, and he was aiming at, at the Republican opponents and preventing them from criticizing the administration. All right, that worked through the print media, and it was only active, of course, after someone published something that was discovered, and there were several, there were some 10 Republican uh, journalists who were incarcerated. Mm -hmm. Compare that to today. The Biden administration has this massive regime through digital technology, using all these platforms and the media to censor information they dislike with the complicity of the media and the big tech acting as agents for the government. And so that is a massive impact. And it's not just against the publishers of print, it's against anyone, any person who goes on the web and communicates information that is objectionable to these people. Mm -hmm. They are being deplatformed, censored. You were censored, I was censored. Many people have been censored and it's far broader. We're talking about literally thousands of people who were removed from the media. Yeah. And when we were and that's we, the difference. It's in magnitude, it's in immediacy, and it's in extent. And it so we have now a censorship far greater than the censorship under the Sedition Act in 1798. Mm -hmm. And that censorship act in 1798 was roundly condemned in the Virginia resolutions and the Kentucky resolutions by Madison and Jefferson for being a fundamental violation of the First Amendment. And it it is the same today. It's a mm -hmm. violation. And, and Rand Paul recognizes this and has done something magnificent for the American people. Everybody should support this bill. This bill will make it a crime for anyone in government to censor information by inducing, encouraging, coercing, cajoling, or mm -hmm. recommending that someone's information be removed from the web if they're in government. So that's, that's a, a real, real good thing. And I advocated that have since the start of my campaign. So I'm glad to see it happen. The history of your interaction with government censorship, again, within the legal profession, as you've taken clients on that were violated by the government who claimed that they were violating speech restrictions, right? And, and I think about most people in America don't know about that history other than those who've read your books or, you know, have been with us on this show for many years uh, would know and acknowledge that. But do you think because they were successful and have been for so many years in censoring certain types of speech that it was almost to be expected if they could get away with it, they would expand it to, you know, as if we look at hot topic uh, issues that they have overtly tried to censor any discussion of in social media, like uh, different perspectives on what happened on January 6th. That it, uh, how about uh, uh, discussions of concerns about election integrity? I mean, these have become things that we can't allow discussion on. And, and, and so... Do you think there's a relationship between the government or those in government getting away with censorship for so long, even though it wasn't front front page for most people, that this would happen? They think, oh, we've been getting away with that. Let's just expand it. Right. I mean, uh, the founding fathers understood no law to mean no law. They understood the value, the checking value of the First Amendment, the radical Whig opposition movement to the Hanoverian kings in England was all about individual rights against the crown, the ability to criticize the crown. They fought tooth and nail against seditious libel. In our co colonial period, there was the John Peter Zenger case, and there was the Alexander McDougall case, seditious libel cases that rallied the colonists and the uh, founding fathers against these forms of censorship. 
And so it was their fundamental intention to prevent this in the United States. So here we have right after the First Amendment is adopted, 1798, we have a challenge. 1791, we have the ratification of the Bill of Rights. 1798, just seven years later, we have the Alien Sedition Acts. And we have this battle that goes on until 1801 when during the the subsequent administration of Thomas Jefferson, uh, the thing expires and they and they don't renew it. Jefferson was Adams' vice president. He secretly attacked Adams through the uh, Kentucky resolutions mm-hmm. um, at, on this point. But so this is a perennial problem. Uh, the whole uh, prior restraint regime at the Food and Drug Administration is a rank violation of the First Amendment. To have to go to the government to tell someone that a nutrient affects a disease and get the government's acquiescence in it in order to say something, that's a classic prior restraint, very much violates the First Amendment, something that I will get rid of as as best I possibly can with legislation uh, when I get into the Senate. All of this is in derogation of the First Amendment. You're right. They have gotten away with it through the bureaucratic state for so long, Robert, Mm-hmm. in so many different forms of censorship yeah, and that they push it and push it until this administration, having no respect for the Constitution's limits on power, says, OK, well, you know what? We're going to use our influence through the FBI and the White House senior staff to get these platforms to censor our enemies. And we're going to do it on all these subject matters. And believe it or not, these people went right along with it, even though it's a rank violation of the First Amendment. Can you imagine an order coming from Mm. the president of the United States to you and you're in government that says you're going to go ahead and work with the FBI and others to make sure that information that is critical of the administration is censored or that information that is against a scientific orthodoxy promoted by the government is censored? There's no way that you or I would ever agree to that. We would say, you're asking us to violate the First Amendment rights of the American people. See you later. We're not going to do that. We swore an oath to uphold the Constitution. These are bad people, Robert. They're bad people who do this. You know, you try to argue away, oh, it's a difference in politics or whatever. No, these people swore an oath to uphold the Constitution, even without the oath. Right. They understand what the Constitution requires. It's not like they're ignorant of it. You've and heard this said, anyway. Jonathan, many times, in no time in history have the censors, the ones doing the censoring, been the good guys, right? You think about that, because when you are standing in the right in some kind of principled stance, you don't need silence. You can engage in debate and discussion. You can defend your perspectives and beliefs, or you can point to the Constitution and go, it's right here. Yet, to the historical facts that you bring up in your article, that led to the Kentucky Resolution 1798, the fact that John Adams' administration established a form of uh, tyranny, if you will, against speech, et cetera, no criticizing allowed, seven years after the Bill of Rights were written ratified, tells you all that you need to know about the warnings our founders gave us to say, hey, if you ever go to sleep on this stuff, even for a little bit, tyranny will rear its ugly head because it's the nature of man when given power, unrestricted, this is what happens, and this is what the founders knew, even though they, John Adams, you know, oops, I forgot, that quickly. Yeah, eternal vigilance. And, you know, here, John Adams, as soon as he got the power, right, power corrupts, as soon as he got the power, he forgot about the revolution. He forgot about what they did. They fought for the rights of people to be against this tyranny. 
and yet he's in power and he you can justify to yourself oh you know what what i want people to believe and uh, do uh is in their interest after all and so i'm going to save them from this critical viewpoint that might lead them astray and that's what the fda does the fda says okay we know what the truth is we know what the answer is We've gotten it from big uh, pharmaceutical companies. We're not gonna let you criticize it. We're not gonna let you have uh, information in competition with it. We know what's best for you. You don't know what's best for yourself. Well, you know what? The First Amendment of the Constitution stands on the opposite premise. It stands on the premise that you know what is best for yourself and that you have a freedom to engage in open debate, to discuss and negotiate and to come to your own conclusions independent of the government, without government coercion, without government interference, without government censorship, without government suppression. And if we reverse that premise, it's all over. The freedoms we have depend upon sovereignty. If you have rights, those rights have meaning only if you own those rights. That's why we understand on the Declaration that your rights are come from God, mm-hmm. not from government. They may not be taken away from government, they are unalienable. Well, what do we say uh, to those that think it's an appropriate role now? Because uh, you think that this is so obvious, this is so overt, you lay out a historical perspective, but it's met with, a, you know, unfortunately, a lot of young people who think, oh, yeah, no, I don't like that view. I think it should be censored. It, it, coming back to the education and indoctrination system, when we talk about the uh, Department of Education, which is one of the ones uh, Ron Paul remembers so said, said, you know, we shouldn't even have this. Uh, because it becomes a department of indoctrination. Now where we don't is, have a department of education. We yeah, should get rid of it now. Yeah. Where is our historical perspective so that young people growing up in this country learn from the early earliest stages and ages, even, well, I'd say from their families, I wish, but many of the family members, the parents didn't know this stuff because they were products of government indoctrination centers. I was a public school uh, attendee, if you will, and I had to overcome a lot of the indoctrination that was occurring even back then, which isn't wasn't as severe and intense as it is today. Uh, so we come to the, how do we make the corrections when we have generations of people that have never been informed or educated into the, the foundation of liberty in America, why it was written, these first to 10 amendments, for instance, and the first one itself, why freedom of speech is so important as opposed to, I don't want to be offended, so it's fine if the government stops certain speech that I don't like. Well, it gets down to a fundamental education, right? It, you, have to, you have to have a part of our education system dedicated, a principal part of it, dedicated to teaching youth the principles of the American Constitution, of the Declaration of Independence, the foundations of those doctrines that are communicated there. Not least of which is this idea that underlies the Bill of Rights, but also underlies the concept of natural rights preceding a written codification of rights, that we are free and we our freedom is defined by Jefferson, and should be taught to every student in the country, every American citizen ought to know this, that rightful liberty is unobstructed action according to our will within limits drawn around us by the equal rights of others. He did not say within the limits of the law because he said the law is often but the tyrant's will and always so when it violates the rights of an individual. When you understand the natural rights origins, when you understand Locke, and this whole conception of a state of nature and how 
in a state of nature, you have uh, basically the, the ruthlessness of, of one party over another and violating that party's rights. And that when you form civil society, you give up uh, a certain degree of, of ability to control in favor of an institution that must be dedicated to the protection of your rights, otherwise you wouldn't agree to it. And that ensures you the freedom to act so long as you don't violate the rights of another. So if I'm telling you something in a public forum that you don't like, it doesn't harm your rights because you can avoid the forum. You mm-hmm. can turn off the television. You don't have to receive the information. Having said that, it is infinitely more valuable to you that you receive information that's contrary to your own views. Why? For this reason. First, evolution, innovation, and, and advancement depends upon you grappling with problems that are confronted. Uh, in our daily lives, not least of which is opposing views. Mm-hmm. In the first instance, you may find that you, when a thorough examination is performed, are convinced of the rightness of the other person's opinion. Second thing that may happen is that you're convinced of the rightness of your own opinion, but you are so based on a more thorough understanding of the other person's opinion, all the aspects of it, all the mm-hmm. elements of it. The third thing that can happen is that you reach a determination that the other person's opinion is entirely vacuous, void of anything other than emotion and that lacks reason and so on. You know what? In each one of those situations, you advance. Mm -hmm. You advance as an individual. You learn more and you're more capable then after that in articulating a more erudite and and, uh, sophisticated view. Now, we lead ourselves to ignorance and to complete passivity and uh, um, submission when we dogmatically insist, as communists do, on adherence to one doctrine or dogma, and we disallow any viewpoint to the contrary. When that happens, innovation and evolution of our society ends. We end up with a static condition rather than a dynamic one. We cannot adjust to new things well. We adjust only based on dogged adherence to what the uh, powers that be say and do. And that is, that is, the, that is why forever, as, as long as we are free, we can achieve. When we lose our freedom, we are no longer capable of achievement in time. And this is, the, this is why the communist societies of the world fall behind. China's tried to create a hybrid. China's tried to have a free market under state control. What is wrong with that market? I'll tell you, they're suffering from it right now. Mm -hmm. It collapses because invariably those in power lust for control over the valuable elements in a free society and they steal it Mm -hmm. and they take it and they dedicate it to their ends and it perverts and, and, and distorts the market. Do you think that in our own country, uh, you know, whether it's overt Marxism, which we pointed out and called out from a lot of you know, certain Democrats and certainly in the Biden administration, we see that a lot of the woke ideology is designed to, you know, program the mind into uh, obedience, if you will, and and not be in any way offensive to anyone or anything. Therefore, we can restrict your speech because that's the crime offensiveness, for instance, uh, which, you know, I'll go back and remind you that the First Amendment wasn't written for the pleasant stuff everybody agreed with. But also, <laughs> Let me tell you this, Robert. Yeah. Offense is what you take. Mm-hmm. In other words, the offense is your reaction. 
Yeah, they say I take offense to that, right? That's how it's described. And so you need not take offense. You don't have to choose to take offense. Why not take offense (laughs) instead of offense? Mm -hmm. In other words, why not communicate more? Yeah. You think that you must live in an environment in which the only sounds that enter your ears are ones pleasant to you? Do you think that you have a right to prevent any sound from entering your ear that has any uh, aspect that you dislike? In that case, you may end up in silence. Mm. Is silence going to make you a uh, virtuoso in anything? No. Silence will leave you in ignorance. So these people are hurting themselves. Talk about offense. Yeah. These people are hurting themselves by censoring all views that they don't like. And it's beyond simply not liking it. Remember, right. now we have safe spaces. Yeah, right? yeah. Robert, Robert, you're in a safe space. Yeah, right I am. They, but they should take offense with themselves over their position of being offended you know, and not right. wanting to hear anything. Well, the, the solution to speech problems is ordinarily mm-hmm. more speech. Mm-hmm. If uh, we have more speech, it, it eliminates libel. It eliminates falsehood in the marketplace, in the information and the economic marketplace. More mm-hmm. speech, the, and this is something I've fought for for 30 years and won in the Pearson versus Shalala case and the progeny of that eight cases. The court finally accepted this quite profoundly in Pearson versus Shalala that really the problem with uh, incomplete information or information that is scientific that lacks conclusiveness, conclusive proof of validity, is not the transmission of the information. It's the absence of additional information simply explaining the Mm. absence of conclusiveness. Virtually nothing in science is conclusive. Almost every scientific proposition that exists today will will in a matter of a few years be called into question. And there'll be new science and there'll be new theories and so on. This is the evolution I'm talking about in the scientific marketplace. So you don't arrest it by government saying, oh, nothing that is inconclusive in science may reach the consumer. Really? Then nothing can reach the consumer because everything ultimately is inconclusive. All right, well, look, if we if we deny people all of the uh, scientific information that's inconclusive, mm-hmm. then we're denying them the ability to make choices for themselves on things that can never be known with absolute certainty. I can mm. never know as, as a scientist or a doctor, Robert, what your ultimate uh, disease is. I can it, it falls into a relative category. I sure hope that this treatment will work for you, but that treatment which may have worked for 100 other people might very well fail on mm. you. But isn't conclusiveness determined by uh, purchase price? That is, our regulatory agencies are purchased to determine conclusiveness in terms of approval of drugs, whether they find out later, oops, we got that one wrong. And a lot well, of people you die. Get into these speech areas, Robert, you got like the, the pharmaceutical industry mm-hmm. and running the FDA. So you have a bias, a political bias. These are all political appointees. There's no pristine uh, government agency in that. It, there's no fully objective government agency. It does not exist. They're all political. So, the FDA makes political choices as to whether a drug will be approved, as to what the content of the labeling will be. Rooted in and, what? Economic benefit to those, the agencies and the people in it at the highest level. Right. It's all self-interest that ultimately drives this. They may argue till they're blue in the face that they've made a decision, like this decision to release and keep on the market at, over the counter this, this chemical abortion. Uh, this, this, this is absolutely outrageous. 
this drug is so very dangerous. It's caused uh, uncontrollable bleeding in a lot of women. It's caused hemorrhaging of various kinds and has really been dangerous, not least of which is that it's causing abortion, which is horrific. But the fact of the matter is that the drug itself is too unsafe to be in the market. Comparable to other, if you compare it to other drugs that are far safer, mm -hmm. uh, that are not on the market, but available only by prescription, you see the insanity of the approval process. It's simply because the political powers that be at the FDA mm -hmm. are aligned with a far left administration that wants to undermine a decision of the Supreme Court, and they've come together to do that with this uh, chemical abortion. So, I mean, this is this is the kind of thing, though, that happens across the board in issue after issue after issue. And so, uh, if you're looking for an answer that is objective, don't go to the Food and Drug Administration because you're just going to get the mm -hmm. pharmaceutical companies party line if it's yeah. enforced by the FDA. You're yeah. not get an ultimate truth at all. Jonathan, I sense knowing you as I, I do for many years, that once you're in the United States Senate, that I, I feel that you have an ability to elevate not only on matters of the Constitution, but even uh, maybe misinterpretations or, or subtle, uh, I missed something in regards to how it's in operation today. When we talk about often free market solutions and um, how in freedom we can innovate, we can figure things out. Yet, so much of our government institutions and, and oligarchy and agencies are designed to suppress or limit speech, except for those who have purchased the influence, if you will. That's due to centralized bureaucracies. Anytime you centralize power, it makes one target to buy by those who can much easier than 50 or 100 or 1,000. So they love, in fact, those that would proclaim to be for freedom because they're big business are actually uh, supported through a system of crony capitalism. And, and I think that some on the Republican side haven't figured this out, or if they have, they're, they're benefiting too, and they become corrupted as well, which is where I see you coming in to speak to them who'd be more inclined to believe in freedom and free market capitalism, truly. And that would mean what? That entire segments of the population who are utilizing natural substances and now have to figure it out through their own research or because somebody whispered in their ear but didn't tell them directly because they don't want an FDA agent actually overhearing what they're saying. And I'll give you an example of this from many years ago, one of the Natural Products Association meetings. I think it was held in Baltimore many years ago. They used to do that every year. And I know you've been to those over the years. And I went to one of the dietary supplement manufacturers at that, that had an exhibit booth. And I wanted to say, Hey, I want to thank you for this particular product. Now this particular product had a hundred percent whole food form of chromium, a mineral in it that worked better than anything I had ever worked with to help patients and people that had type two diabetes. And I saw reversal after reversal after I'm not talking, managing their, their blood sugar. It went away. And I'm like, this is the greatest product ever. And they turned white as a ghost. When I told them this, as if I were an agent trying to trap them into acknowledging that this product did that. And, and they just denied it. Like cra it was like the weirdest interaction. It wasn't a normal human conversation I was having. They were in terror. And, and I'm thinking you could just say, yes, yeah, so that's great. But they're afraid that even if they did that, an FDA agent might say, Oh, you acknowledge somebody said that. So you believe it now we're coming to get you. That's an incredible terroristic act by government well, agencies to cause people to live in fear. It's called the chilling effect of speech regulation. Individuals who are not presently being prosecuted are nevertheless mindful that they may be if they dare enter into a zone that is regulated yeah. by the government. And this is what they use to create this interorum effect mm -hmm. where everybody is just chilled out of a market of ideas. 
And the FDA does this and the FTC does this all the time. And, you know, when it comes to that information on chromium, mm-hmm. I got a claim approved for chromium, chromium picolinate, which uh, based on massive science mm-hmm. uh, through the FDA that established that chromium picolinate actually reduces insulin resistance. I, I do it's remember helped. that. In fact, yeah. I, I remember, uh, in fact, at the time I learned about this because I was involved in a video project. This is so many years ago. Uh, we told this story on one of our Sunday conversation shows, and uh, I was interviewing a doctor for a video who was describing what you just described at a time like this was a long time ago. I'm like, wow, that's a really big innovation. Now I've come to find out, and, and this gets into the science of different supplements, of forms of these things, some have better effects than others. But the fact is, acknowledging a mineral has mm-hmm. a beneficial ap- impact on health. They have to say it in such a way well, why that. Did you, here's the thing: the the First Amendment is against the government. Right. The burden of proof on establishing that something is false it's mm-hmm. only suppressible if it's absolutely false. the The burden of proof is on the government to show that. So what happens in the food and dietary supplement market? Well, what happens there is you cannot utter a peep about the therapeutic effects of a food or a dietary supplement unless you go to the government in the first instance and ask the government for approval to speak. What is that doing? That reverses the burden of proof. Mm -hmm. What's the burden on you to prove that what you're about to say is true? Yeah, when what the would... amendment burden is on the government to prove that what you have said mm-hmm. is false. What, there what... is no prior restraint allowed under the First Amendment. So this whole regime at FDA, I attacked it for years and, and broke it open, but not enough, because if it were truly in line with the First Amendment, there would be no prior restraint. So Correct. when I get to the Senate, mm-hmm. one of the first things I'm going to do is introduce legislation to get rid of FDA's authority to review health claims as a condition precedent to allowance of them in the market, and instead <laughs> leave it to the Justice Department mm-hmm. after we fix it. Yes. The Justice Department, in an objective way under the law, to pursue parties that they can prove definitively. Deceptive practices. And it's yeah. false. Because here's why. Yeah. Why do I say definitively? Because if you can't, if the government can't prove that what you're saying is false, that is because it may be true. It may be false, but it may be true, but the government mm-hmm. can't prove it. That's yeah. exactly what the marketplace of ideas is supposed to do. Exactly. We're supposed to ferret out truth through competition of ideas, through innovation, through evolution. Can That's you- can you elucidate that and communicate that to, to people, even Republicans, and maybe they'll actually get it for once? Because there's still too much deference and worship of these regulatory bodies, oh, even though there's discussion. So. That's yeah. because, look, at the pharmaceutical industry wants as a lock on this. They want, want the monopoly. They yeah. started off when we fought them initially. They didn't want any claim that a nutrient or a food could affect your health. They didn't want any claim at all. Because they wanted that reserved to drugs so that the only thing a consumer would understand is that if you have a health condition of any kind, you go to a doctor, you get a prescription, you get a pharmaceutical product, you don't think of it as, gee, if I take glucosamine and chondritin sulfate, I might prevent myself from getting osteoarthritis. I might fix my cartilage in my 
in my legs, you know, in my, and, oh, and they don't want people to think of that. They don't want people to think of that. Instead, they want you to go and get a prescription for some high potency NSAID mm-hmm. and just pretend like the Poor underlying man. bone-on-bone hibernation is not happening and let you en- end up being an invalid, at which point you'll have uh, to replace your hips and you'll replace your legs. Uh, and, you know, that's what they want because why? That's where all the money is. That's where all the money is. Jonathan, just like I said, that weird interaction I'll never forget, right, at that at that trade show event, where I want you to think everybody that has a business, you have a product or a service. Imagine somebody comes to you and says, I got your product, and it just it was the most amazing thing. This is what happened. And and then your response would what in a normal world would be like, wow, that's great. Can we share your story? Because that's a wonderful thing that's empowering you. It helped you in whatever way. And instead, you're in abject sheer terror because the story itself might compromise your business existence because it violates something, as you said, prior restraint by FDA, FDC, to connect a substance, a naturally occurring substance, to a benefit, in this case your health, and a reversal of even a diagnosis of a quote-unquote disease where there's a monopoly within the pharmaceutical industry to be able to make claims of, of uh, cure, mitigation, et cetera. Again, I, I lay that out there for people to have a perspective that if, you know, maybe you're only listening to this once in a while or the first time, and you're like, I've never heard of any of this. This is the weirdest thing ever. I want you to know it is the weirdest thing ever that a company that is doing great things can't tell you what they're doing. And if somebody does, they have to hide it and run from it. Yeah. And so in my book, Global Censorship of Health Information, which is written several years ago, I explained this. This is not only a phenomenon in the United States. This is global. Wherever the drug companies are, this is the system that operates. And as a result, we don't have health freedom in the world. We don't have it in the United States. We have to get it. And if we got it, can you imagine? Look, just think of the marketplace this way. What if you went into the grocery store or you went into a uh, pharmaceutical store, you know, CVS or whatever. And when you went in there and you looked at all the supplements, they had a pullout card that would say scientific information that mm-hmm. was digestible for you to look at quickly. So it says, oh, this contains this amount of vitamin C or this amount of antioxidant vitamins, which has been shown in these studies that are listed below to have an effect on reducing the risk of cancer of this sort. Mm-hmm. And you look at that. So, and you go to the, you go into the grocery store and you look at it and it says it's an orange. Well, you know what? The orange has these phytochemicals in it. List the phytochemicals. Yeah. These chemicals have been associated with a reduction in the risk of cancer. You got all that information out there. You'd be able to say, okay, I'm going to buy. Look, I know because of my family history, my brother, my sister, whatever had cancer. I'm going to have a diet then that's going to reduce my risk of cancer. If someone else who has digestive problems, oh, mm-hmm. well, they find out about these different probiotics and other substances that actually have these certain interactions in their body that mm-hmm. reduce the digestive stress of various kinds and enzymes that reduce acidity and all of that stuff. And then they say, okay, I'm going to eat a diet like this to reduce my problems that I'm having with digestion. If you had this information all over the place, People would be able to act independently. They'd learn and adjust to this, and they'd say, wow, mm-hmm. I now know that I should be eating this certain way because it's going to lead to a better life for me mm-hmm. given my life circumstances. Oh, and if we don't have it in America, that's what we should have in America. Well, and in the meantime, let's take this to another level in terms of licensure of doctors as a monopoly. 
and we respect and we have many friends that are doctors and I would consult with and and but also they also remain open to things like that I know in natural medicine and homeopathy but many of these are locked in due to licensure and they found out how severely curtailed their freedom is that the license doesn't necessarily grant them freedom it restricts their freedom and those that have spoken out on you know the controversies related to covid covid shots and, and uh, uh masks and things uh, but, you know, right now you could go with the information that you've just referenced that can't be put in the health food store. And you go, Doc, look, I've been reading this. You go to your doctor and a doctor with integrity intelligence would go, wow, that's very impressive. We might need to look at and strategically change your diet. Many of them are afraid to do that because of the way it, the system has been set up. And therefore, they would say, well, I know nothing about this. And, and that's crazy. And on and on it goes. Well, and it's they, even worse than that, Robert, because they have to worry about being audited by Medicare and mm -hmm. even by the medical boards. They have to be worried about their yeah. colleagues' opinions to the extent that if they don't give you a one-size-fits-all, generally accepted as scientifically reasonable and necessary approach to any condition, even if they know that it will fail, they must follow that or they may be audited by Medicare, in which case they may have to pay Medicare massive sums of money what mm -hmm. medicare comes in audits it takes a small sample of their patients looks at it just in excruciating detail finds any mistake in record keeping or whatever then it says that that money has to be paid back it extrapolates from the small universe it selects to every patient that's in their practice and then demands a huge sum of money and what does the doctor do the doctor's absolutely petrified mm -hmm. of being audited by medicare because of the enormous financial consequences what does that do when he looks at you, he's looking at you with an eye towards the insurance carrier. Right, the third party. He's wondering yeah. if you submit a claim to your insurance carrier, whether any advice he's given you, whether his diagnosis and then his specific treatment will be viewed by them as medically reasonable and necessary. If it's thought not to be by these bureaucrats, mm -hmm. then he may be subject to an audit. He may be referred to his medical board. He may have... His your, own supervision in the hospital, removing your doctor it, is engaging uh, now in, in, in self-censorship because he or she might know that this would be beneficial. But the concern is, you point out rightly so, my gosh, how will this be interpreted by the agencies that can come in and audit me and put me out of business or so even criminally charge them, me? I mean, a lot of them end up just going, following the course of least resistance. Mm -hmm best way to stay in business, make money for themselves, and then eventually retire. They're not trying because they're required not to pursue your best interests. So my ideas, when they come into the Senate of the United States, I'm going to break apart this Medicare system based on medically reasonable and necessary. And I'm going to make sure that doctors are not prohibited from innovating. And I'm going to do that based on informed consent. I mean, if a pit, you go in there, you say, the doctor says, ah, you have this incurable age-related disease. And they tell you, oh, the only treat treatment is methotrexate or some other cancer agent. That's mm -hmm. what you're going to take for the rest of your life. And oh, by the way, there are all these side effects to that. Oh, one of which is another cancer. Set of cancer. Yeah. Uh, don't worry about that. I'm not even going to talk to you about that because this is the medically reasonable uh, and, and recommended treatment. That's what mm -hmm. I have to give you that. Now, if it were his or her own mother, his or her own wife, he'd be saying, whoa, wait a minute now. There are a lot of side effects to that. You know what? I've seen it in my patient practice. I know it's medically reasonable and necessary according to Medicaid, but I, I would not recommend that for you. This is what we need to do instead. 
You know what? That's the truth in many instances. Mm-hmm. It's a sad day. We have bureaucratic medicine in the United States. We don't have free market medicine. No, but you're Doctors not looking out for what you are as a paying customer are asking be done, you know, and focusing on your best interest. Sure, they try, but they try within limits. Yeah, the threat to their very existence is always in in front of them, as you point out. So their response to you is corrupted or colored by that which could then come back and bite them. This is why I said the sacred relationship has been corrupted by third-party interveners, largely government, government regulation and intrusion, but even, you know, semi or private sort of insurance, the way it's operating today is violative because even those insurance companies come in and audit, you know, maybe they don't have the same kind of force to, but it's, it's really a corruption of that sacred relationship where the doctor would respond to your needs, you as an individual. Get this. So you come in, you you get audited by a Medicare or you get audited by the health, uh, the health board and the physician's licensing authority. Mm -hmm. And you end up with a determination that you screwed up. Well, you know what they oftentimes do? They then put your name on a national database. And so everybody who interacts with you knows that you are a, a doctor who has been found to have engaged in a questionable medical practice. So that they, they, they create this defamation against you. Yeah. And they use that to terrorize you. And they also try to bankrupt you so that you can't fight them. Yeah. So when they ask for the money... They don't have to wait until they prove their case, even in a kangaroo. They take it up front, don't they? Administration. They demand it up front, and they demand it up front, and then they say if you don't pay it up front, they'll charge like 16 18% compounded interest. Wow. This is worse than the mafia, dude. This is like mafiosa. Yeah. So when, when you represent people like this who I have, you tell them right off the bat, look, I'm sorry that's such a massive amount, but let me tell you, if 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 you were to not make it through this whole thing, and there's a part of this that they don't pay back. Well, you'll owe 16 to 18% compounded uh, monthly for a period of review by the agency that may last as much as a decade or more. You might not even get to court until a decade or more after wow. you start protesting yeah. their ca- your case. They, you know, the so, crown of England. So you got to pay it up front. So what happens? You pay it up front. Then what can you win back? Do you win back? Uh, all of your legal fees? Do you win back all of your costs improving your innocence? No. The best you can do, the best you can do is get back the money that they paid you for the service before, and that's it. And you're out your legal fees. You're Mm -hmm. out the costs. And, you know, these are not inexpensive things. These are highly intensive things. You frequently have to have experts. You frequently have a massive amount of paperwork and so on. That has to be submitted and legal hour this after is, legal hour. And people, this is just what, and this is, this is what happens to every doctor if they don't follow yeah. this rigid one size fits all approach to medicine and become pill pushers and prescribers rather yeah. than healers. And right. This is why I feel, again, another reason why it's so important that you get into the Senate to be able to communicate these things, because there are many people, Republicans included, that are under the illusion that we're this close to freedom. And, and we're so far removed from it, the details of which they've not ever encountered, like you have, to correct the yeah. mistakes, the things that have gone wrong. Yeah, right. I, you know, I've interacted with a lot of members of Congress, and I'm sad to say that the overwhelming majority of them are utterly ignorant of they, the very details. When you have three quarters of all federal law being made by the bureaucracy, they don't know. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I have no idea. the Congress of the United States making one quarter and the Congress of the United States doing almost no oversight over the regulatory agencies. And they don't even understand the regulations and they don't even understand what is actually happening to people in these administrative courts where their rights are violated with impunity and where they have no rights protection comparable to what they have in courts. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and, and they don't understand that. So instead of helping you, they cannot even, these members of Congress frequently cannot even get to the point where they understand what's happening because it's so far beyond them. That's why it's critical, critical, critical to have constitutional and administrative law expert in there, me, in there. Yes. Because if you don't, you never get to the truth. You never get to the heart of what, what ails us, all right? These, yeah. You know what? They have all these people who work for the agencies who are lobbyists to Congress. They're the public affairs liaisons to Congress. They put they put together with the lawyers at the chief counsel's office, mm -hmm. general counsel's office, this lovely picture of why it's so necessary to have this system that violates your rights in place. Yeah. The, and the members who are ignorant get that propaganda push. And they're looking at the person who's injured and they're saying, well, now, wait a minute now. Well, maybe you really were guilty of something. Maybe you were going to hurt someone. Maybe there is something wrong with that because they don't understand. They don't right. understand the, the substance. They don't understand the need. They don't understand the market. Mm -hmm. They don't understand the regulations, but they get a clear answer from an authoritative figure who comes mm -hmm. in and says, look, we don't have any beef with this particular person. We're trying to protect the public health. Yeah. And we protect the public health only when we do these certain things, have these certain procedures. And without them, there would be utter chaos. So yeah. what you're asking us to do for this one person is to create an exception, which would allow that the whole system to collapse and would allow this person to get away with murder. Yeah. That's, that and you know what? The vast majority of members who have a very limited attention span, limited amount of mm -hmm. understanding, is to just go along with the state, right. go along with the government, because it's again what the path of, of least resistance. resistance. Yeah, Jonathan, and, and that's the you know that was the story of my my friend Doc Harmony and her husband uh, Kevin and what they did with the ear candling all the way up uh, to the level, and they admitted that at the, that Supreme Court level, it's like if we acknowledge, which we know you're right, it'll crumble the whole system. Exactly, the system is is a cancer on freedom. In yeah, America. they were so fantastic. I mean, we taught. I think uh, you know we had some interaction with them early on, mm -hmm. and I'm glad that they ultimately did decide to do this heroic thing. It's a highly expensive thing, and yeah. I think they probably had some good uh, lawyer who was able to devote pro bono time to help them do this. But if not, you know, I, I salute them because the cost, in regardless, whether they, they actually had Jim not. Turner, but they were telling Jim what to do, and Jim was like, I mean, the, again, the depth of knowledge that people have sometimes outside of the box, as you know, uh, that are not constrained by certain things, are able to go places that yeah. force the hand of the government. It was brilliant. And and again, what you would do in Congress, in the Senate, would be to, you know these things. As we talk about, this is one of the greatest, I mean, we've done a lot of awesome episodes, Jonathan. I love this one because it's something that we've journeyed through in our various ways over the years, and that not everybody is privy to get that kind of deeper look into what this depth of knowledge would mean in the Senate. Even people that claim freedom and like the Constitution, they don't know this 
even if they're good people and they mean well. No, yeah. I look I look the at some- is critical. I'm telling you, this is the difference between saving our country mm-hmm. and going along with a broken system. It's kind of like, you know, you've got a you, you have a uh, bike and the uh, chain comes off every now and again. And the reason is that some of those uh, uh, teeth in that round thing that makes the chain uh, stay on mm-hmm. are broken or are malfunctioning. But rather than simply uh, keep putting the chain on, wouldn't it be spectacular if you eliminated the chain entirely and had the thing run by just driving it with a wheel so that mm-hmm. when you pedaled, it would just be the wheel itself that you were pedaling around? And maybe that's a better system. But they don't get to that because they're, the people who are in there, Republicans and Democrats, particularly Democrats, are swallowing the swill and are yeah. thinking this real good Kool-Aid. Mm-hmm. The Republicans who even say that the Kool-Aid tastes a little bitter to them, they nevertheless don't think outside the box enough to realize right. that it's the very chain system that is in existence that is, your, is the bane to your ability to uh, uh, succeed and advance. Rather than binding the the problem is that they if you understand the Constitution, you understand the foundational principles of this country, you learn very quickly the ability to do things outside the box to save the country. Mm -hmm. Yet this we don't have to have an FDA. We don't. We don't have to have it at all. We can have a statutory system, we can have private drug evaluation and reviews. We can trust that based on a system of blinding so there's no undue influence from the drug companies. We can make it a crime with heavy penalties for an attempt of exercise of undue influence. And we can have a presumption in favor of the results of the testing on safety and efficacy. Right now, we have this massive system of conflict of interest Mm -hmm. where the drug companies that are the sponsors of the drugs are the only ones that test the drugs. Yeah. I, I want to bring tests are the ones FDA says, oh, this is fine. You didn't identify a safety problem. Mm-hmm. There must not be one. The FDA doesn't do any testing. Mm-hmm. So this is a massive and very unfunny attempt at humor. This yeah. is a joke. And it's a system that's got to come to an end. And when we realize that, when we realize this, as David Graham said, associate director of the FDA Office of Drug Safety, that the public is virtually defenseless against unsafe drugs. He meant it. Yeah. He was sincere. That's yeah. true. Folks, the third leading cause of death, and I've argued the second and first leading cause of death, the things the FDA approves of. And it's an undue trust in an agency that is so corrupt, so violative of fundamental freedoms to provide true innovation in the marketplace for health and healing. And yet I don't stand to call for banning drugs. I think that in the marketplace of ideas and and products, in freedom, we'll figure out the best way to move forward. And in freedom, you'll have choices to make and you'll have the information to make better choices and even make risky choices if that's your decision to do so, not via coercion and deception and censorship like it is, exists now by FDA. I want to bring up Senator Rand Paul in this because I would just love to see you working with him for one, because he, he would have absolutely embraced your knowledge base in addition to his own constitutional basis. And there's an uh, article here we have from his office about Senator Bernie Sanders, the socialist in, uh, from Vermont. And, and it's true of a lot of Democrats that have that leaning. 
uh, Dr. Paul offered an amendment to that would reveal the royalties of federal employees, those that are profiting off of these things. Which and is critical, which is if we're going to find out Fauci and how he was uh, subjected to undue influence, mm-hmm. basically how he has profited off of his whole approach. Yeah. You got to know where that money's coming from. So why would a socialist or a big government aficionado want to protect the public from what? Knowing somebody has a conflict, well, of, it makes no sense. The public is yeah. protecting those people in government service. And why? Exactly. Because fully invested in expanding their control over the American public and does not want these darlings of the administration like Fauci who have worked Mm -hmm. hand in glove with them in gaining control and scaring the, terrifying the American people into giving up their rights. Sanders is a Democrat socialist. That means he's a socialist. That means that really he's a communist. Mm -hmm. He wants to take away individual rights. So of course he opposes Rand Paul's bill that uh, would be so fantastic. Wouldn't we all like to know? the royalties, what the source of royalties were and how much Anthony Fauci received that's related to COVID. Wouldn't we like to know? We We know the biggest betrayer of the United States in our history. Well, let's find out what motivated that man. Mm -hmm. And I bet you a good part of that motivation is money. And how many others in government or in these agencies would be found to be getting royalties as well? And that's the point. It's not just target for those that, oh, this is just targeting Fauci. No, this is much bigger than that. But yeah, Fauci inclusive. And again, and all what- this bill is for is just allowing the public to know. Mm-hmm. And but- notice, all it is is just asking for the truth to be communicated to the public. That's yeah. it. And, so, and look what they do. They get their point man, and he's the point man for the administration, and he is fulfilling his duty, but he's doing it willfully because by, because mm-hmm. Sanders, Bernie Sanders, is a communist. Yeah. He does not believe in individual liberty. He doesn't think that the American people have a right to mm-hmm. know how their taxpayer dollars are being spent mm-hmm. and how this private parties are influencing the action of government actors. Because as long as those actions are in line with what he wants, he doesn't want anything to change it, even the truth. And a lot of people have been duped by his sweet honeyed words that you'll get free health care. Look, in a monopoly system, we've seen it, socialistic system, the health care you get will be drugs, surgery, and shots. And you'll have to wait a longer line to get them. And none of those things are really supportive of your health, except in emergency when we talk about allopathic medicine, where it does shine in emergency trauma interventions. But that wouldn't be easy to access under a socialized system at all. In freedom, we can have all of the access to all of these systems, including the ones unapproved by government that don't need to be approved by government that show the test of time, centuries, if not longer of utilization, the medicine of creation would be free and the communicative nature of the scientific validation of many of those things that have been done would be open to all. And even if certain people in government or agencies didn't like it, you would still have the freedom to access it and share it and not be frightened. What What was it? The eight most terrifying words or nine most terrifying words of the English language are I'm from the government and I'm I'm here here to help. help. Yeah, exactly. That's where we are. Yeah. Don't be duped. Mm -hmm. I mean, the reality is that people pursue their own self-interest as James Buchanan in public choice theory uh, established. I uh, won the Nobel Prize for that, actually, in economics. 
They pursue their own self-interest in government. And so, look, we want people not to think of government as a career, but to think of government as a sacrifice where they are providing service. Yeah, well, not and if you're we Fauci. Need term limits. We yeah. need term limits. We need to have that's that's one thing that I would amend the Constitution to do. We've talked about that too. Yeah. Look, we're out of time here, Jonathan. This has been one of my favorite episodes of Sacred Fire of Liberty with you, my friend, because the kind of things that you would do in the U.S. Senate, uh, you've revealed some more detail and depth to it. And I pray and hope that uh, all of you can appreciate that. We'll share the good news from Jonathan E. Mord and share his uh, candidacy. Go to emord4va.com. Check out the upcoming events. Support him, even if you're not in Virginia. And then we'll be back for more of this. Also, say thanks to all of those who support this message of health, freedom, and healing liberty. The banners are up there. Health Freedom Expo will be together in October again and many other events that are awesome in support of liberty, right? And that right, that right those rights that come from God, not government. Thank you, Jonathan. Take care, Robert. Remember, Thank you. the power to heal on all levels is yours. <laughs>